today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. You're there, right? You saw him? Did you see him? I saw him. He took the scribe's knife. This is the Word of God. Do you, do you ever take your Bible? Don't do this, please. Just imagine this. You take the knife, the razor, what are they called? Exactos, you know, the, and you start, oh, I don't like that word, that passage, that verse, so throw it into the fire. That's the Word of God. What are you doing, man? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. Most of us would never dare to physically cut out a scripture from our Bibles. But in today's message, Pastor J.D. will ask how often you do that in your heart. You hear a passage that convicts you, but instead of submitting to God's sovereignty, you search for any possible way to interpret or twist it to fit what you want it to say. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 35, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Much of the expense in our lives is directed at making our lives more comfortable. Come on. And convenient. Oh, this will save me time. Oh, it's so much easier. That'll make my life so much easier slash comfortable. And I just picture the Lord. I know I'll just speak for myself in my own life. He, he just looks at me and goes, oh, you know that expression? I got to get all my ducks in a row. Okay, I just, I, then I'll be set. I'll be, I'll be comfortable once I get all my ducks in a row. So, Somehow I manage just by sheer effort. I get all my ducks in a row, and here's the Lord going, Oh, looks like you got all your ducks in a row. (laughs) Not anymore. Lord, what are you doing? Well, you got a little bit too comfortable there. All your ducks are in a row. And by the way, I haven't talked to you for a while. You haven't called. It'll, It'll be good to hear from you. And isn't it true that when things are going good and we're comfortable and blessed and I mean, but but boy, let adversity strike. Let the Chaldeans come knocking. Lord! (laughs) First, I'm getting very convicted, so we're going to move on. Verse 12, then came the word of the Lord to Jeremiah saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, go and tell the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will you not receive instruction to obey my words, says the Lord? The words of Jonadab, verse 14, the son of Rahab, which he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are performed. For to this day they drink none, and obey their father's commandment. But although I have spoken to you, rising early and speaking, You did not obey me. I have also, verse 15, sent to you all my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, Turn now everyone from his evil. Amend your doings and do not go after other gods to serve them. Then you will dwell in the land which I have given you and your forefathers. But you have not inclined your ear, nor obeyed me. Surely, verse 16, 
the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rehab, have performed the commandment of their father, which he commanded them, but this people has not obeyed me. Oh, (laughs) kind of coming into focus now. The lesson here is quite clear. The Rehabites obeyed the command of their father, not their God, spoken just one time. And get this, it's believed that it was about 300 years prior. He spoke a command one time, and they obeyed it, and they're still obeying it. And this is why God got them to Jerusalem and had Jeremiah do this. I'm going to use the Rehabites as a lesson to the Israelites. Look at how, I'm not angry, I know it sounds like I am, I'm not. I'm convicted, but I'm not angry. I'm going to use the Rehabites and their obedience to their father all of these years later and contrast the disobedience of my people to my commands. I mean, they are obeying to this day, all of these years later, the command, one command of their forefather, and you won't obey me, your God? And it wasn't 300 years ago one time, it was like 300,000 times every day, all day, every year for 300 years. Early in the morning I would send out the prophets with my command, and yet you would not heed. You would not incline your ear. You would not obey me. Shame on you, Judah. Look at the Rehabites. Let, let's, let's do a comparison here. Don't you hate it when parents compare you to other kids? Uh, or how about your siblings? Let, let's just do a comparison here. Look at these guys, man. And, and this is why it's so important for us to be there in that chamber with them. So you can kind of feel the tension in the room. That's a lot of pressure. Here, have some wine. <laughs> Well, no, we can't. We, we, we would be disobedient. Ah, come on. I won't tell anybody if you won't. <laughs> yeah, you will. Well, again, it gets worse. So, Verse 17, Therefore thus says the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring on Judah and on all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the doom that I have pronounced against them, because... I have spoken to them, but they have not heard. And I have called to them, but they have not answered. And Jeremiah, verse 18, said to the house of the Rehabites, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Because you have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab your father, and kept all his precepts, and done according to all that he commanded you, Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rahab, shall not lack a man to stand before me forever. Wow. You know what that means, this stand before me? It is a profound privilege that I will always grant you this favor, this privilege of worshiping me, serving before me, standing before me, in my presence. That's huge. That's the blessing that comes from obedience. But notice too, 
On the other side of it is the curse upon the Israelites for their disobedience. Again, notice the contrast, so stark the contrast. You got the Rehabites over here, blessed beyond belief for their obedience, and you have the Israelites over here, cursed with all the doom beyond belief for their disobedience. Chapter 36, how you doing? You okay so far? Okay. (laughs) Nobody's left yet, that's a good sign. Now verse 1, Now it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take a scroll of a book and write on it all the words that I have spoken to you against Israel, against Judah, and against all the nations from the day I spoke to you, from the days of Josiah, even to this day. Okay. By the way, for those of you that have a Bible in your hand or a device, that's fine. This is how you got the book of Jeremiah included in the canon of Scripture. We were just told just now. There's a written record preserved of all the prophecies that Jeremiah had spoken orally. Now it's preserved in the written Word of God, because here we're told, we're even told when it's to happen, and what's to happen, and the chapter starts by providing us with how the book of Jeremiah was written and preserved, and next we'll see why. And this is so important, please listen. That's what you're to do, Jeremiah, here's why you're to do it, verse 3. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the adversities, adversities which I purpose to bring upon them, that everyone may turn from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Oh, that's why. It it could be said of the entirety of the pages of Holy Writ, that it was recorded and written for this purpose. What purpose? It may be that everyone, when they read this written account, may turn from their evil ways so I can forgive them and restore them. The Bible, it's not written for condemnation, but reconciliation. Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world, but to save that which was lost. From the beginning of Genesis all the way through to the book of Revelation, it could be summed up with verse 3 of Jeremiah chapter 36. In other words, you could say that this is why we have our Bibles. It's so that we will turn from evil and turn to the Lord for forgiveness of our sins. Many of the accounts in the Bible, and for those of you that have been with us over the years, man, there's been some really gnarly <laughs> uh, places in God's Word where you're like, that is way too much information. TMI, I mean, I don't, I don't want to know that. No, you need to know that. Well, I don't want to know that about David. No, you need to know that about David. Yeah, but that's horrible what he did. Adultery and murder, and, and then he tries to cover it up, and you know, she gets pregnant. I mean, that's, a, that's what they make movies out of stuff like that. I mean, this is the sweet psalmist of Israel. 
This, this man after God's own heart? Are you kidding me? I mean, listen, if I'm God, I'm not including that. I, I, I wouldn't, that's, that's, I, 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 let's just include the parts about him being a man after God's own heart. Not a murderer, and an adulterer, and a scheming, conniving, cunning. That's, I'm taking it too far maybe, but I think you get the point. Okay, so question, why? Why do we have that in our Bibles? Is it for us to see how bad David was? No. It's for us to see how good God is, despite how bad David was. And that should get every single one of us hope. I'm looking at this guy, I'm thinking, dude, (laughs) you are toast with a capital T. (laughs) But God is merciful, and He's forgiven you. And if He's forgiven you for what you did, that means there's hope for me and what I did. (laughs) God wants to forgive us. He wants to forgive us. He, He takes no delight in punishing or meeting out. His judgment. He wants us to come to Him. And when we hear all the adversities and experience even all the adversities, what is the purpose of that? Which I purpose to bring upon them that it will have the purpose of bringing them to me, returning them to me, turning them back to me. Again, it's not condemnation, it's reconciliation, it's restoration. Verse 4, Then Jeremiah called Baruch, the son of Neriah, and Baruch wrote on a scroll of a book at the instruction of Jeremiah, all the words of the Lord which he had spoken to him. And verse 5, Jeremiah commanded Baruch, saying, I am confined I cannot go into the house of the Lord. They have a restraining order on me. They've censored me. You go. I can't. So Baruch, you go in my place, therefore, and read from the scroll which you have written at my instruction, the words of the Lord, in the hearing of the people in the Lord's house, on the day of fasting. And you shall also read them in the hearing of all Judah who come from their cities. Okay, so we're introduced to this Baruch guy. Who is he? A scribe. And uh, similar to like with the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, uh, Tertullius, if I'm pronouncing his name right or remembering it right, was the, the scribe that wrote for the Apostle Paul to the Romans. So Jeremiah didn't write it. He had his scribe write it. And this scribe, we're told, his name is Baruch. And because Jeremiah has been banned from the city, <laughs> Uh, he says to Baruch, okay, now take this, and now you need to read it in the hearing of all Judah who come from their cities. Okay, that's going to be a very long reading. And here it is again, verse 7. It may be that they will present their supplication before the Lord, and everyone will turn from his evil way. That's the purpose. That's the why behind the what. This is what I want you to do, Jeremiah, Baruch. I want you to write everything down. You have a written document now, and I want you to read it in their hearing 
for the purpose of them turning from their evil way to me. For great is the anger and the fury that the Lord has pronounced against this people. And verse 8, Baruch the son of Neriah did according to all that Jeremiah the prophet commanded him, reading from the book the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. Now, verse 9, It came to pass in the fifth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month, that they, they, not the (laughs) kings, the people, proclaimed a fast before the Lord to all the people in Jerusalem, and to all the people who came from the cities of Judah to Jerusalem. Verse 10, then Baruch read from the book the words of Jeremiah in the house of the Lord, in the chamber of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, the scribe, in the upper court at the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house, in the hearing of all the people. Okay. Um, Notice (laughs) the inclusion of specific names. Why? Two thoughts. First, these were real men. I think it's so easy for us, and we do so at our own peril when we're reading God's Word. And, we, we, you know, we, first of all, we can't pronounce the names. I'm doing my best. I'm, of course, these are Hebrew names, but I'm giving you the Arabic pronunciation of these Hebrew names, just so you know, just for the record. And so I'm doing my best. So we, we can't pronounce them, let alone, I mean, why, why do I need to know their names? Oh, because these were real people. You know, if it's generic, it's just, well, this, you know, this man over here did this, and that man over there did that. Well, no, wait a minute. His name, he has a name. What's his name? Gemariah. Oh, oh, I I remember. Uh, That's Shaphan's kid. His dad, I know his dad. I remember him when he was a little whippersnapper, little boy running around getting into mischief? Well, not now. Not only is he a real man, he's a godly man. And not only a godly man, he's a godly father. And we're going to see that here shortly. That's why we have the specificity of the names, I believe. And I think we would do well to consider when God deems it necessary to record the names of these men and women, mightily used of God, we should take notice. These were real people just like you and me, different time, same God. They had struggles like you and me. They dealt with issues and life's pressures like you and me. But unlike you and me, they lived at a time when God deemed it necessary to include the record of their lives and their names and their sons and their lineage in Scripture for a reason. These were real people. Verse 11, when Micaiah, the son of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, heard all the words of the Lord from the book, he, verse 10, uh, 12, then went down to the king's house into the scribe's chamber, and there all the princes were sitting. And here's some more names for you. Take note. Elishama, the scribe, Deliah, the son of Shemaiah, Elnathan, the son of Achbor, Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, Zedekiah, the son of Hananiah, and all the princes. Then, verse 13, 
Micaiah declared to them all the words, notice all the words that he had heard when Baruch read the book in the hearing of the people. Therefore all the princes sent Jehudi, the son of Nathaniah, the son of Shalamiah, the son of Cushi to Baruch saying, take in your hand the scroll from which you have read in the hearing of the people and come. So Baruch the son of Neraiah took the scroll in his hand and came to them. And they said to him, sit down now and read it in our hearing. So Baruch read it in their hearing. Now that's a Bible study, times two, (laughs) two times. Um, He read the entire book of the scroll, which was not like we have now. It was a scroll, quite lengthy. I don't know how long it took, we're not told, you can imagine. And he read it two times. All the words that were written, that he wrote, by the way, at the command of the Lord through Jeremiah. Now, verse 16, it happened. When they had heard all the words, that they looked in fear from one to another, that's called holy fear, the fear of the Lord, and said to Baruch, we will surely tell the king all of these words. And verse 17, they asked Baruch saying, tell us now, how did you write all these words at his instruction? So verse 18, Baruch answered them, he proclaimed with his mouth all these words to me, and I wrote them with ink in the book, scroll. Then, verse 19, the princess said to Baruch, go and hide you and Jeremiah, and let no one know where you are. They're going to kill you for this. And, verse 20, they went to the king, into the court. But they stored the scroll in the chamber of Elishamah the scribe, and told all the words in the hearing of the king. So, verse 21, the king sent Jehudi, to bring the scroll, and he took it from Elishama, the scribe's chamber. And Jehudi read it in the hearing of the king, and in the hearing of all the princes who stood beside the king. Are you still there? We're in a different chamber now. There's a different room reservation. You're there. The king's there. Ooh. The princes, ooh. You're kind of in the back of the room. You kind of want to be, you know, incognito, anonymous. You don't want, you know... <laughs> You're just kind of watching this whole thing go down. Verse 22, now the king was sitting in the winter house in the ninth month, and with a fire burning on the hearth before him. How cozy. And it happened, verse 23, when Jehudi had read three or four columns, that the king cut it with the scribe's knife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth, until all the scroll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Are you kidding me right now? Listen, if I'm Baruch, I'm like, no! You know how much time it took me to write that? What's up with this? You, he take, look at the detail again. You're there, right? You saw him? Did you see him? I saw him. He took the scribe's knife. This is the Word of God. Do you have your, take your Bible. Don't do this, please. Just imagine this. You take the knife, the razor, what are they call exactos, you know, the, and you start, oh, I don't like that word, that passage, that verse, so throw it into the fire. That's the Word of God. What are you doing, man? 
No, you didn't just do that. Oh, yes, you did. I can't believe you did that. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Throughout this book, the prophet Jeremiah is speaking words that God has given him, warning the Israelite nation that judgment is sure to come. But the people don't want to hear it. They'd rather carry on in their revelry, living their best life now. If you've noticed, there's a mentality of that in today's culture, too. Don't you dare give anyone warning about the red flags in their life. They're just taking that idea of eat, drink, and be merry and running with it. Unfortunately, these warnings in Jeremiah weren't heeded. and That's how it can be today as well, as God gives fair warning about what's to come in the future. But are you prepared for what God's warnings are? Have you taken heed to what he speaks and teaches about in his word? These aren't just mentioned as a side note. Everything in God's word is intentional and has a purpose. If you'd like to know more about what this all means, we encourage you to go to our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. There, you'll find the ABCs of salvation under the resources tab. This provides an in-depth overview of what it means to believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he can save you from a life and eternity without him. If you're in the area and would like to connect with some others in person about this, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. You can find directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for the next edition in Jeremiah, here on In Spirit and Truth.